Welcome to Stand Up and Clown the Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Damiani. Thank you for tuning in, and my apologies for being away for a couple weeks. I have this yearly tradition where I burn as hot as possible for the first 11 months of the year, and then in December, I just completely shut down. I know it's coming. I still plan on making certain deadlines. I don't make any of them. I barely leave my apartment. Uh, it's a bit of a tradition. I'm not a sentimental guy, but I think you have to have your holiday rituals, and that's mine. I have a lot of plans for 2024. I'm excited to do more interviews. I've got some great stuff lined up. I have two right now ready to be edited, so we'll be getting back to a normal schedule in January. Also, a quick thank you to those of you who have been supporting my Substack. My last post, which dealt with grief and comedy, was my best performing post of all time, so I'm really excited about that. I'm not going to stay too long. I'm flying home tonight. I do my holidays after the holidays to avoid all that airport traffic. But I'm very excited about these two clips that I'm going to be playing for you today. The first one is from my friend Cameron Farmer. I talk about this a little bit on the broadcast, but twice a month, I go on stage with a variety of people, some I've worked with quite a bit, some who I've never taken the stage with before. When we say silent, there is music. I have a bunch of different musicians come in and improvise and live score the set, but we don't speak any words. Well, some of them do, to be honest with you. Some of them immediately have to break that rule because they're clowns and that's okay, but I never do. The idea is to tell a complete silent story over 30 minutes. It's one of my favorite things to do. And Cameron, they're one of my favorite people to do it with. So here's Cameron Farmer. You had said we had done two silent clown sets. Mm -hmm. And I've talked about it on this podcast before, but if you're listening for the first time, essentially 30 minutes, you can make sounds, but we almost discourage that, but it's no speaking. Mm -hmm. And then there's live score from a musician who's also improvising. And the set in and of itself, no fourth wall, very presentational, a lot of theater school energy, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. self-importance, but we do, we have a great, dynamic yeah <laughs> and we both know we both know the dynamic. we know what's gonna happen <laughs> we know it's gonna happen but like I do feel like the audience goes through this more arduous journey in that yeah from jump street cam's the favorite yeah. <laughs> cam is the favorite cam can do no wrong but then this thing happens in the set even though by the way this is how it will end cam yeah will still by the end cam is still the favorite yeah <laughs> But then I'm working so hard mm -hmm. that there's always like a point about 10, 15 minutes in where the audience is like, we want to give him a little credit. Yeah, something. Something. <laughs> like we just can't. But then, of course, giving me any credit is a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> so like to watch them kind of battle and it's like, all right, we like Cam more for sure. <laughs> yeah. But this other person's working pretty hard. And then the minute they give it to me, they're like, we want, we wish we could take that back. Yeah. <laughs> And then we've been good on both sets. At the end, we, we come together. We come together. And then we it's bring like, our power together. And then they get to like us both. Yeah. But only because <laughs> now I'm under the wing of camp. Like, yeah. but it's like for them, I think it's much more of a journey. Like for us, I think we both know exactly what's happening. But for them, they're dealing with these issues. You know, they're, mm -hmm. they're, they're dealing with a little bit of guilt or a regret and like this mm -hmm. whole thing, even though kind of the trajectory is always the same. We never even discussed it. It was just, no, it just we happened. went up there, we were just like, this is what it is. Yeah. 
Well, also the context too of us doing it is always during that room was <laughs> the cult vibes. Oh yeah. I know. I know. Shame on me. <laughs> it's insane. But it's like, that's what's fun too, is like you are so high status because you've been so upholded in the space. And so for you to not change anything, for you to not change anything, and I coming in with nothing, and I'm telling you, I'm giving nothing when I'm in there. And automatically there's that. I feel like that is part of them what they're having to contend with is like, oh, fuck. Like, right. It's because it goes beyond just what we're doing in that 30 minutes. Not to say like, uh, you don't, you're not deserving of all this adoration and, you know. No, but by the way, this is good clown. This is good. Good clown is understanding everything that comes in the room with you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what we're relying on when we're up there too, is not so much even what we're doing, but knowing where the audience is at and what they're coming in there with and really letting them feel what they're feeling and then just popping up to be like reflections of what they're already feeling in like the smallest ways. Even though we're both in it and we're working together, I think we're both very, very, very aware more than anything else of like, this is the audience running the show in this time, in this 30 minutes. You're so right because sometimes also they just make an impulsive choice mm-hmm. that surprises us. Mm-hmm. But now the show is going that direction, which they caused. Yeah. So yeah. there's an ownership. Yeah. I mean, I love doing these silent clown sets it's for this fun. very reason is because it feels like, like a child with a wish box, yeah. <laughs> like the audience, you know what I mean? <laughs> and like, you're like, all right, you can you make these wishes, but guess yeah. what? They're going to come true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you don't have the best judgment. <laughs> So just be ready. I will be like busting my ass. Yeah. Like and Pam will make just a simple gesture <laughs> and they go crazy. But it sort of set this thing of like, mm, he's he's working way harder. He's working way harder. So I think funny. one of them too is like you bringing out a chair and like jumping over the chair, jumping over two chairs. Yeah. And I just come down and sit down. Yeah. <laughs> Standing ovation. Standing ovation. <laughs> And then I think it's been fun, too, because we both will give each other a chance to to just really, okay, you're center now or you're going to be center and I'm going to stay back and let let you cook for a bit. I'd love to see more of this kind of work being done just to teach people that when you give the other person center spot, Mm -hmm. one, you up their value, but Mm -hmm. also then you're missed. Yeah. Because it can feel in the moment of play sometimes that like if you seed control seed mm-hmm. seed the middle that like i'll never get it back it's like you're gonna get like you're get gonna it. get back that's yeah. part of the what yeah that's part of the dynamic it'll happen i wish more improv knew that we're improv people oh yeah it's usually like a like a white dude yeah <laughs> but like a white dude who comes in and saves every scene i'm like <sighs> this is so funny because this also kind of ties into like the white savior mythology in general yeah. it's like i gotta come in here and I gotta, I gotta give I gotta him this gift. It up. Yeah, I gotta yeah. clean it up. I gotta justify what's. And it's like, no, no, you don't. By the way, if they're particularly bad at it, now it's like I want to watch this person come in and ruin every scene <laughs> yeah. by sta- stabilizing the shit out of it to the point where there's no comedic tension at all. I love it. <laughs>
I love seeing failure on stage and not in a mean way, not in like, like a ha ha you fucked up, but it's just like, wow, now, now let's go after this. What's going to come? What's going to happen? Because we're at the bottom. I think with failure too, what's so nice is like any choice that's made after a failure is just going to be great because you're relieving some tension or it's just like, it's a choice or it's something different. I love failure as long as it doesn't break the performer. And I don't mean in some mm, long-term. Yeah. Level. Yeah. 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 But like with improv, when you get a younger team and they're just making every bad choice, but they're so undaunted mm-hmm. all day. I'll watch mm-hmm. it all. I'll, if they keep coming in and just making it worse yeah. and trying. And with clown, like sometimes we see our peers, they'll go out and they'll have like a failure that really surprises them. Mm-hmm. And they'll just kind of, cause they're, they're sweet, vulnerable souls. They're just kind of broken by it. And it's like, no, no, you're in such a good spot now. You're in the best spot. It's such a gift. Then you're given a dynamic. Then you're given a game immediately. It's all given to you. How fun. You get to like stop for a second. Yeah. Just sit, just live in it. Just live in it. I've got one more bonus clip for you today. And that's a conversation I had with Andiel Sudik. We talked some about a local show called The Clownies. It's a really fun event. The first time was last year. It was an unmitigated disaster. At the same time, everyone had a blast. We also discussed creating solo clown pieces. I really do get off on just getting philosophical about what I know looks like The Clownies. You know what I mean? Like we're getting so deep into it and yet it's like, it's a guy in full gold paint. It's, you know, oh. it's two friends of ours dressed as Oompa Loompas doing a fairly pornographic act. Actual, well, I, I mean, I, and for me, like looking at that thing on his neck and being like, is that candy? Is that candy on his neck? <laughs> With like 90% of that bit for me was just like, is that candy? Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, 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 the choker. The, je- the jello or like, yeah, the jello. Oh, yeah, yeah. The thing that ended up, it was candy. It was candy. And I was like thrilled, honestly. The the tech to that was some of my favorite bad tech that I have seen in a long time. It, it was, was having so much fun watching incredible. him tech because also he had no urgency. He just had never done it before. So it would be just like lights and he would just kind of look over and he'd be like, okay, light. as if he was just like working on a factory line and like he had yeah. time. Well, because what was great too, like I wish I did have seen him because from on stage, it was literally just them like wildly signaling and it was clear that he was not watching. Oh, no, Andiel, <laughs> he was. No. He was and he'd see it and then he'd kind of take it in and then he'd oh. just like patiently look around for his phone or like be like, where's that switch again? Not in a way that was disrespectful, just someone who didn't understand this is what the job is. Like the job is this stuff needs to happen yesterday. And I, by the way, I did not correct him because I felt like it added to the magic. 100%. 100%. Yeah. It was like a delight. And to like watch people react in different ways to inside of the audience. And then be like, all right. Everyone had that all right moment too. Like some people were in all right mode from Jump Street and other people, it took about a half hour and they're like, I'm not going to get upset anymore. Like, I'm not going to get nervous for them. This is clearly an all Try to help. That's like my favorite. That's my favorite shift of tone. It's like when people are like, we did the best. We, like, we all did the best we could. We just ran it together. But like, yeah, it's fine. I guess this is what they wanted, I guess. So 
beautiful. I love it so much. Last question for you. Have you put up a solo bit yet? I mean, I know you've done sketch stuff, and I'm sure in sketch stuff you've done solo sketch stuff, but have you constructed a bit that is designed to be no fourth wall, audience interactive, clown? Yes and no. Like, I did a bit at, at a show for Wayne that was, like, an audience engaging, but, like, yeah, delving, delving more into that. And I just did, like, a devising workshop where I've been, like, trying smaller pieces to be like, yeah, what is? Can I retain the joy of clown while also trying to put ideas that are existential into big, which is always. Oh, that's an interesting place to start. <laughs> it's very weird where it's like improvising on stage, zero thoughts. I'm like, yes, I'm in my element. I'm fiery. And then the second I like try, it's that's the place to like pay attention to my process because I get so serious and I'm like, Probably got to change the world with this one. This is probably my waiting for Godot. Yeah, let's stop it. I always tease my girlfriend because she's been writing a book for about 10 years. And by the way, it's an epic. She's an avid reader, way smarter than me, I should say, in almost every regard except for common sense <laughs> and stress management. Other than that, like I literally, like a child, will ask her questions all the time about the world. <laughs> she just knows stuff. The idea that she was like, you know, I've got this really great, well-paid job uh, with huge upward mobility. I'm not happy. I want to write. I'm like, I, I have so much respect for that. But to go from there and be like, I guess what I'm going to write is a 500-page fantasy novel that has, I won't say what it is, but it has <laughs> a device in it. It's a superpower that requires three perspectives at once to be commuted. Like, this is the first. Like the start on this book is the clowniest shit I have ever seen in my life. Yes, I connect with that very deeply. <laughs> that was gonna say when you were talking about your like, <laughs> I guess my first piece should take on the identity of the soul. It's like what? Just tie your <laughs> shoes. <laughs> I did, yeah, I did a piece uh, last night where I was like just putting my hair into progressively smaller hair clips because I was like, "You're in your head, babe." Like. Yeah, that's where you want to start. Small hair clips. That's a piece. Are you working on anything right now for yourself or is it? Always. Yeah. Well, the piece you saw that night, that's what? the first time I was able to put it up with all the pieces. Like it still needs a lot of work. But wow. what I'm doing in 2024, and again, I might just change this plan, but my thought was I wanted to go back to some of my most successful characters and I wanted to see if I could make them all silent characters. So Bomb Vest, Marco, even Reckless Chad Rubin, who I've been doing a bunch this year that is literally all talking except for the open. I want to see if there's a different life for them on stage. And what would I do if I didn't have these jokes to protect me or these games? So I'm always, I had a bit that I spent dollars on. I didn't do it consciously. And by the way, the person who charged me this had every right to charge me this because I saw how much work they did. But what had happened was I had this soundtrack made for this bit that's like a play off the Honeymooners. And I reached out to someone who's a really good sound designer and musician. And then we just worked slowly on it over a period of months. And I just lost track. And then finally, when he finished what was an excellent product, he just billed me. And I'm like, this is what it costs. Like, like looking at him, like, this is 100% his time. And maybe even a good deal. What happens 
is it's like the honeymooners, but they're called the Quarrelsons. And you wrote like I wrote the lyrics, but he wrote this really great like almost like Muppet movie song. And oh. it's me and Christina Martinez, and we're arguing like I'll tell you who's you know I'm gonna knock you to the moon kind of stuff. And then we don't come out like we just play it. And then later in the show, this one minute song plays again. We don't come out one last time. It plays. And then it transitions from this song into this ghostly radio play where we're backstage. And then I come out covered in blood and you think I've killed her, but that's not the story. The story is something different because it goes in, because I listen to a lot of old radio. This is why I was inspired. It goes in all these crazy directions. <laughs> and I, the whole point of this piece for me was all I do there is I just stay in neutral, completely engaged. And I'm just walking out with blood because I'm like in trauma, remembering the event while this pretty hilarious track goes on. I was like, that's a fun challenge. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's fantastic. So yeah, I'm always working on stuff. That's why I've never done a one person, one hour show because it's like, I always just have a new idea. I get to about 20 minutes, 25 minutes. And usually I feel like it's done. I'm not saying I couldn't break it. And, and maybe what these silent characters will show me is how to break it. Yeah. But I just have a new idea that I'm like, actually, I want to be out there with something half formed and have to fight for it a little harder. Even with this canceled comic character I'm doing now, it gets such a great reaction, but it's done. Like, so now I'm like going out and doing it. I'm like, well, all right. But like, I'm not even playing with it anymore. Well, and I feel like that's the emphasis is on process versus product, which is like, that's the fun, that's the juicy part. And that's like the part that seems to me is the figuring out or the delighting in it. And then it gets to a point and I'm like, okay, I did it. Right. Yeah. I did it. Let's go. I'll <laughs> go. It's finding, yeah, the play inside of that. Well, I'll give you one piece of advice here. Put up one of these pieces that is really not done. Mm -hmm. Like one of these hair clip pieces, something, even if it's an existential piece, something yeah. that you're like, God damn it, this is like 35% there. And then let your improviser have a crack at it on stage. You know, you have so much training. Let them see what they do with this offer if they were put in front of an audience and didn't know what to do. I've done a couple like short bits places. I need a little bit more time. Like a lot of like, a lot of the slots are like three or five minutes. And I was like, I if I'm going to improvise, I get so consumed by that time limit. That like sure. I need to, it's so, for me, although some people are like, that's so long. And I'm like, oh. And sometimes it feels, we, we know people that it feels long. I know. And I'm like, that was two minutes. <laughs> I think sometimes the best bet is to just like take a place like PDA and have like 10 of your friends, give them five minutes and then give yourself 15. Something that oh, doesn't yeah. require a ton of preparation. I've gotten to the point where I pretty much don't take anything under eight minutes but even eight minutes feels short. Where you're at now, it's like sometimes we just have to forage the opportunity. Well, of course that's the answer. But also, I'm writing my 500 page epic where it's like, nah, I need to, I need to host a salon, and it's got to be in the red. All right, I guess we're gonna do a three month grassroots promotional campaign. That's the only way I can do one job. <laughs> I can test 15 minutes of material. Oh, it's it's fun. It's fun to fight with yourself. And that's our abbreviated podcast for today. I have a bunch of shows in January. I'm not going to overpromote because I don't feel like I gave you enough content to do so. One of the things I'm very excited about is I'm going to be doing a number of dates 
with my friend Rory Scovel, one of my favorite stand-up comics. We're going to be devising a two-person show together that's hopefully a marriage of clown and stand-up. We'll be doing that at the Elysian. The first date is coming up on January 15th. Stand-up and clown is back on the third Monday of January. That's going to be a good one. We have the Wolves of Glendale. They're this great comedy music group. Also great performers. My friend Morgan J, Anna and Kyle, other surprises. So if you're in the LA area, please check those out. And once again, I mentioned it in the beginning, subscribe to my Substack. I'm really proud of the work I'm doing. It's all going towards a book that I will be finishing by the end of this year, hopefully publishing by the end of this year. So until we speak again, my friends, this is Chad Demiani. Keep on clowning.